0: We are right into the Christmas story and the familiar passage that we've been uh, settled in for the last week and this week is Luke chapters one and two. It is the classic story that we read at Christmas time and I want to remind you of where we are in that story and then we're going to move from Joseph to Mary as we hear what the gospel of Luke tells us. Here's what we remember. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man called Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's conceived a son and is in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That is not a news story to anyone, I'm sure, in the room. But as we hear it, I want to guide our thinking a little bit, and I want to make a proposal to you that we are functional naturalists. What a stupid term to be using, right? We are functional or practical naturalists, as opposed to being supernaturalists. The way that we function, the way that we think, even as followers of Christ, is essentially Naturalist this the song that we just sang um, did anything in your heart say that is just lovely, or was something like tremendously moved or disturbed in your heart as you tried to figure out whether that could possibly be true and how that could possibly be true, so let me bring you to the early part of what I just read, and I want you to hear it if you can hopefully as though it were the first time. You didn't know anything about angels, you didn't know anything about the Virgin Mary, you didn't know anything about the Christian story or the Christmas story, and someone read this to you. I want you to try to imagine how it would sit with you. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. Isn't that nuts? Do angels exist? Like practically, functionally, do you pay any attention to angels? Or do you hear this story one more time and you think, yeah, yeah? And all the angels were singing. And so you can see Christmas cards, you can see Christmas um, pageants or whatever, but do you really engage with the terms of this story? The angel Gabriel appeared to a virgin and said, you're going to have a child. That's nuts. Is that true? Well, we say, yeah, we say, of course it's true, because we believe that. How can we believe that? because we don't live our lives as though there are different planes than the natural world of which we're part and the natural consequences of being part of time in that world, right? We don't expect angels to appear, not the least of them being Gabriel, who's like one of the two archangels, big angel. What did it look like when he appeared to Mary? What did he look like? How did he get there? When he came, what did he do? Did he sit down? What did she say? The actual text in Luke chapter 2 says that Mary was, and there's a, a constructed word that basically would be translated freak out. Right? The archangel came and said, hey, how are you, Mary? You are honored of God and you go and she was freaked out she and she's trying to figure out What is this angel going to do? What is this angel going to say? She has no experience with angels, right? So I want us to try to get our heads around the terms of the Christmas story that call us away from being naturalists by bent to being people who understand that the world in which we live is a supernatural world. The lives we live are supernatural lives. The event of Christmas was a supernatural event that was totally apart from natural experiences as they come and go. Something ridiculous happened at the incarnation. It was so ridiculous that it has changed the world and the world's course. So let me just introduce you to just a few kind of ideas that hopefully will um, get you to think about how it is we tend to just um, revert to being naturalists, just ordinary things to ordinary people in ordinary time. There was a, a person several centuries ago who began to use um, a phrase about heaven kissing earth. And it was a phrase that caught on theologically because it it really prompted the question, well, what does that mean, that heaven kissed earth? And what I want to talk to you about this morning is um, the ridiculous notion that our concepts of time are wrong, our concepts of um, the future are often wrong, our concepts of the planes of existence in which we are, are often wrong. Um, We live inside of a natural world, and we have to be careful not to just name everything in natural terms. So what does that mean, that heaven kissed earth? This whole idea that um, God came to earth, that, that there is an other... And there is us. There is earth, that's us. And there is other, which is heaven and all kinds of dimensions that we read about and think about but really don't understand. And this theologian says we need to grapple with the concept of heaven kissing earth. Heaven did something, the other world around us, the other dimensions around us, the other phenomena around us came and kissed earth. So kissed is a beautiful term, and it just connotes everything that it should, which means that what we're celebrating at Christmas is that Kevin, heaven, maybe Kevin, but heaven anyway. <laughs> I don't know what Kevin was doing. What were you? You didn't kiss earth, I know that much. So You might have kissed earth, I don't know either. Well, you cleaned the floor. Sure. So time to move on to the next idea I'd like to sort of toss out to you. Um, if, if you have not or your kids have not read this little novel called A Wrinkle in Time, um, Madeleine L'Engle wrote it in like 1962, and it is a glorious, it is a delightful story. And the, the reason I, I mentioned it, first, if you're looking for something to buy your teenager, your young teen, um, for Christmas, that would be a great thing, or a stocking stuffer. Um, she, the, the whole idea of Wrinkle in Time is intended to challenge the notion that we live within time, understanding only the laws, the rules of nature and time. That we see time essentially on the uh, sort of horizontal plane. Time is what happens from now to the next thing to the thing after that. And she has a delightful story about this little family family And they discover um, the idea of wrinkles in time. And it's the notion that um, time is not just the passing of chronological time, but it is something that can actually be managed by hop, skip, and jumping along the wrinkles. And as we think about time, and even when many people will ask me about... Um, what what does time go like after Christians die? Why does the New Testament not tell us a lot of things about what all we're doing after we die until Jesus comes again? Um, where are the people who have gone ahead of us? Like, why don't we hear stories about what they're doing up there? Aren't you kind of curious? Like, is is there food? Um, are there sports? Is there TV? Are there screens? What happens? And the New Testament is particularly silent on what happens in the passage of time while we're not here. One of the most delightful lines in The Wrinkle in Time is that one of these um, people, beings, that is, is telling the children stories, the children say, we should get home because mother's going to be upset because it's dinner time. We, we need to get home in time for supper. And this being says to her, don't worry about it. I'll get you there five minutes before you left. Which is a beautiful concept that time is different when you're able to move in your frame of reference away from being thoroughly naturalistic. That time is different. Time is different in the future. Time is different in heaven. Time is different for the people that have gone ahead of us to be with Jesus, to be with one another, time is just not the same as it is right now. And if we begin to think about that sort of thing, it begins to open up our imagination. I think one of the most delightful things about children's literature like Narnia or This Wrinkle in Time is they they open up our imagination that says when we as adults try to figure out how time could ever be different, We go, I I can't figure that out at all. Scientifically, I can't see how it could be anything different. These stories, I think, begin um, to open up our imaginations. And when we hear the ideas that are told in, in beautiful story form, we begin to have our minds realize that time is not just what we always thought it was. It could be something different. It will be something different. And that is a marvelous thing for us to begin to, to kind of um, hold on to. Another, again, sort of thought I'd like to throw out to you is the idea of um, incarnation being a, a, ho- well, a holy moment. I'm sorry, I went ahead of myself there. It's a holy moment paradigm, the incarnation. And so again, I'm not good at having simple language, but I'll try to explain the cluttered words I use. Um, I love Celtic spirituality. Um, I, I understand Celtic spirituality. I understand something about the idea of thin, thin places, for example. There there are places in Ireland that I know that are thin places and Celtic spirituality, against which we as Western evangelicals have been abhorred, um, but Celtic spirituality has, has a more unified notion of our continuity, our relationship with the land in which we have been placed and developed and grown and formed, and that in the world of God's creation, there are places that are closer to God than others. And you can say that is nonsense, or you can begin to read some of even the current and modern uh, sort of monastics and and spiritual uh, directors And they will talk about places often in Scotland because apparently God loves Scotland more than Ireland but there are lots of places that people will say when I'm there I find it easier to reach out to God it's almost as though you can reach across into a different world into a different space into a different understanding and orientation and I think as we come to the, the incarnation because we tend to just be bent towards naturalism, we will accept these ridiculous stories as just interesting and lovely and romantic and heartwarming instead of being shocked about what they say. I mean, the the lyrics of the, the song we just sang are shocking, totally shocking. It's not just lovely that God came here. It's ridiculous. It's like impossible, isn't it? Who is God that he could come here, and why would God come here? And it's like we ought to stop after each of the verses and say, wow, that was like every verse, every, every line we just sang is ast- astonishing. It's like, is that true? And the scene of incarnation has been, it, it's been tamed into being a lovely festive season. Um, And it is not a lovely festive season. It's a violent season in which the God of the universe broke his laws and came to where he should not have come because he knew that he needed to rescue the world and the world of people that he had created. It was just, you know, like it was like fanfares and trumpets and angels and shouting in the skies that said, look at what's going on down there. Not just, isn't that a lovely manger scene? Um, not just, um, how, how can we recreate Bethlehem in a more sort of palatable way? How can we make the shepherds not be stinking rascals? Uh, how can we make them be lovely men who are just taking care of sheep all the time? The, the characters of Christmas are shocking. The events of Christmas are shocking the political events of christmas are astonishing they're ridiculous they're violent they're hateful and everything that happened is one of those thin places um, in terms of an actual paradigm that says understanding how it is that there's a god with whom we may have a relationship um, depends on our understanding that there are ways to To perceive the story of humankind, its history, and actually change into a kind of people who will believe that an astonishing thing has once happened, and we get to be part of that. Again, throw something out there. Is time linear? So apparently Stephen Hawking, um, in his latest thinking before he died, figured out that he made a mistake. And his um, partner in, in scientific research said that what he said was that they had always assumed that the, that the laws of physics were the same before the singularity here before the Big Bang, as he would have said. That it would have been the same laws that would be applied before. And he realized that they did not necessarily apply. And that the, in the beginning of time, which is the title of the uh, work that he worked on with his, his friend scientists, that at that moment, time changed. Time became something really different. Not just It was not just a linear event um, that was preceded by other linear events that obeyed the laws. Time began, and it was different. It was time linear, so in the wrinkle in time, you have the idea that lines can actually be... Um, compressed into shorter times. And so they have ways of traveling through time that don't take time at all because they've learned how to go to the wrinkles. And you go, that is hard to get my head around. So read the story and let your imagination um, believe that there is such a thing as a, a, a different passage of time. It is not always linear. It is not always from here to there or from now to then. In total, what, what I want to suggest is that we need a corrected eschatology and cosmology Okay, to so get it right. So, oh, yeah, we do. I knew that. I'm, I'm glad you said it. No, we really do. And, and I think I don't even know quite how to begin to unpack my thinking on that. But it's sort of like I think we're convinced that everything is too close. Um, and it, it's It's not. So time is, is not just what happens now and then what happens next and what happens after that. Um, and the, the cosmos is, is not the kind of phenomenon that we popularly think it is. So in this cosmos, there are however many dimensions um, that we have no idea how to get there or what it would be like to get there. But the world in which we live is not a world um, that God is going to finally destroy and throw away. He's in the the business of totally renewing that world. And we are part of the renewed cosmology of, of our faith, where we say we are looking forward to when everything is radically changed and restored and Jesus Christ is owned as the rightful King and Lord of everything that there is. That's, that's the cosmology we're looking for, and that's the cosmology that the gospel um, is preparing as sin is finally um, and totally vanquished, and righteousness becomes the, the, the reign of Christ and, and the, the enjoyed um, experience of, of his people. Eschatology is not waiting until we can get something that is in the future, it's actually living into something that's already been accomplished. Um, the the cosmos is not something to be thrown away. The cosmos is something to be explored, to be delighted in, and to be anticipated as that which will fully um, uh, represent the, the, the glorious creation that God always intended for us to be part of. So do we, do you think um, end up as people who are pretty much naturalists or are we prone to allow God to work in us so that we can become supernaturalists and think it it is not necessarily going to happen the way I thought it would. Um, what is out there is not something that I can confine into an, an old cosmology. It's something new and glorious and wonderful. Um, the um, the idea of thin places, I came across this little um, poem by a, a modern uh, person who, who thinks of thin places and how the thin places give him or her the, the hope um, that there is something more than the ordinary passage of time. There is something more than, than just the world around us and the events around us. It says, I've left my heart at Finn. The place my soul found rest, where the thinness of the veil brought heaven within fingertip touching and space, the solace and balm restored by the weight of peace in this place. As I sat and stared and prayed, as did the ancients in their day, they trod the path of solitude, they watched the ebb and flow, they waited for the one to speak, the one every heart truly seeks. Maybe there are some thin places for you. Um, Maybe the thin spaces somehow in your life, maybe somewhere in your home is a thin place. But the hope that we have is that what we can see is not all that there is, that there is a world teeming around us, a spiritual world teeming around us, a spiritual world that is at battle with itself, but is winning and already has been um, secured as to having the right victor because Jesus has come. His incarnation was the way that um, heaven could kiss earth and everything could be different. Everything could be supernatural. And that would not be shocking to people who were beginning to grasp it. In fact, they would say, of course, I knew God would do something different. Of course, I believe God will do something different. I do believe we will be uh, somewhat different. How do we live into it? We've talked before about the two Greek words for time. Uh, One is the word chronos, and chronos is chronological time. It's time that just passes on the calendar, on the clock. Um, Nothing particularly notable about the fact that it is uh, today, December, whatever it is. But the second word for, for time is Kairos, and Kairos is the kind of time it is. So June the 4th, for many of you, is a chronological time. It's a chronos time. For me, it's a Kairos time, because we got married on June the 4th. For all of you, there are chronos times, and there are, among those chronos times, Kairos times. And if we see Kairos as not time passing on the clock or the calendar, But it is the series of events when heaven kisses earth. It's when the kingdom invades, when the kingdom of God, which is already here and coming, when it does appear. And we say, that was a chronos time. That was a special time for whatever reason. But for many of us, there will be those times and those seasons when we say, all right, that's what he means when he talks about having a new cosmology and a new eschatology. It's like when time is changed, when time is bent um, so that we can concentrate on the wonderful things that God is doing as he makes a new creation. So Chronos will carry on. Kairos, um, the more we can discover them, the more we can live into them, the more we can find those thin places when we welcome in um, the phenomena that engaged Earth this world at Christmas um, the better we'll be are there angels is Gabriel going to show up here someday well did he did he really show up you don't look like you're sure you think I'm not sure right that's what you're looking of course he did that's the story of Christmas Mary was freaked out as we would be but angels are around us Angels are near us. Several years ago, um, two of my kids were in a car. My daughter was driving um, with a friend of hers, and my son and his, at that point, fiance were in the back seat. Why Brendan ever let Nic- um, Alicia drive, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure there was a fight. It was her car, so she probably demanded that she was going to drive. So there they were. They were on their way actually to a youth retreat. And they were on Highway 11 um, heading up towards Muskoka. Um, They hit a patch of ice, and my daughter lost control of the car, and they spun out um, on the highway. And the the car stopped, and they sort of checked around and said, is everybody okay? They were terrified. And um, Alicia said all of a sudden there was a man who walked up to her window and knocked on her window. And she rolled down her window and she said, the man said, your car's on fire, get out. She said, it didn't look like the car was on fire, but for some reason we just did what he said and we got out. And she said, we, we walked off the edge of the, the highway and tried to see if we were okay. And um, then the car blew up, the car caught on fire and was Basically was consumed on, on the highway And I said, so Alicia, where did the guy go? She said, I don't know He just disappeared And then she said, do you think he was an angel? Of course not, don't be ridiculous Yes, because angels do show up We need to get used to God's supernatural ways Expect them more often Welcome them Um, as they are um, evidence of who God is and what he has done and what he will do. So this Christmas, will heaven kiss earth for you somehow or other? Will will a thin place pop up for you? Will a kairos moment, uh, will a wrinkle in time, will some violation of what our uh, uh, naturalistic bent uh, expects Um, get disrupted so that we will be properly freaked out when we encounter the other.